Welcome to episode 41 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you can find me demonstrating my self-worth on Twitter at SEATJK, and with me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, where do you beg for validation? I beg for validation all over town, but yeah. in terms of Twitter, uh, you can find me at CD Villasenor. How's it going all over town? Like, what, what kind of validation begging are you doing? On the streets? It's, it's on the streets and in the, in, you know, everywhere I go. It's, it's actually a little bit sad. But, you know, it pays out every now and again. You're not out there doing it for the gram? <laughs> it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. If you beg, if you beg validation from enough people, someone's going to give you some. You're not playing buckets on the corner? <laughs> I should start that. That actually you sounds kind of right? fun. Yeah, a nice habit. Or a habit. Hobby. Yeah. Get out there at lunch and just start beating on a bucket and see how long until the cops chase you off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, interact with the show on Twitter at 2on3pod. You know how much we love to hear from you. This week, we are talking about influence, how to get it, how you've gotten it, and who owes what to whom. We'll explore the idea of a, in quotes, fair society. Uh, we'll talk about what has the TV done to us. And we're going to talk a little bit about Seahawks, Hall of Fame bound, safety, Earl Thomas, and the myth of team as family. In the OT, we're going to go back to the trailer park to talk about Dark Phoenix and into the Spider-Verse. But before we get into it, a quick bit of housekeeping. Uh, 2on3pod.com is now a thing, which also means we have a new email address for you not to use. Holler at 2on3pod.com for show feedback. Have you visited the all-new 2on3pod.com, Chris? I have. It's a nice index. So for people who uh, are just catching us or want to look back through, it's an easy way to look at all of our shows and and uh, take a peek at what we talked about. Uh, probably a little easier than the, the iTunes podcast. Or uh, if for those of you who aren't Apple people, um, it's a really good place to go. Yeah, it's just a straightforward index of the shows, but it's it, I like the way it pops out and you get the this short description and you can see the different topics we broke down. And it's definitely way easier to browse back episodes if uh, if it's your first time getting into the show so check it out all right so uh let's get into it um let's talk about reordering our society <laughs> in a more uh logical manner so i have i don't know a reputation so let's say for being angry but i try to tell people that irritation and frustration are not the same things as anger um for me, it comes and goes moment to moment. I don't hold on to it. Like, I don't really hold grudges and so on. You can ask a mutual friend who did me dirty <laughs> whether or not I really held a grudge over time. <laughs> a little while, anyway. Some things wear off. Some, yeah. some, not all things are created equal in this regard, but okay. Absolutely. Uh, but for the most part, I'm, just, I'm not an angry person, even though I think that I play one on TV. Um, I think I just expect more of people because in my experience, when people give enough like of a shit to really try, they usually succeed in some way. And uh, especially on the small things that life requires, like in order not to be a burden to others. <laughs> <laughs> so in my quest to build a utopian society, I, I propose basically that we reorder society um, in favor of competence over wealth. So currently... Skills qualify you for reward, and the reward is exchanged for privilege. However, some skills that have little societal value are rewarded, and then you have, you know, assholes in a position of privilege. <laughs> We're living through a really, a really, you know, acute period of it right, right now. Um, like, I feel like I could take it if I knew they were doctors and shit. But often it's just about kind of who's standing in the right place at the right time, which just rubs against my need for fairness. <laughs> we are going to get into this. Here's here's what's funny. I, as you as you as you uh, work through your intro here uh, and setting this up, um, it reminds me of many conversations we've had over the years. Uh, some people don't know, but we've worked together on a couple of occasions. And in some of those occasions, I was your direct manager. Mm -hmm. And so... There were times when you would get pissed <laughs> about people who'd say, why don't they get it? Why don't they get it? And you were always of the mind that everyone should get it. And I was of the mind that because you are smart, you probably are going to get it and other people aren't going to get it right away. Or uh, they're going to... Yes. And so... Valuable always, feedback for me, I, by the way. I always like, felt like I, I, used it, I used it again. 
Yeah. I I always felt like your frustration stemmed from the fact that people didn't pick up on it perhaps as quickly as you did, which my feedback to you was always, well, you have to give – sometimes you got to give people time to catch up to you. Well, and that – and you made a good point that I really grasped, which was uh, it's not their job to know. Right. Like, because we were working in technology. And, sure. And my frustration – I. That was helpful for me going forward because I, I imparted it on other folks that then came up underneath me in a similar capacity later on. That's by the way, that's the Chris coaching tree. <laughs> you can check it's out our a, which is tremendous, <laughs> which is a tremendous coaching tree. You should. I'm very proud of it. Good for you. <laughs> but I think that see, I think that your perception may have been misplaced because it really wasn't ever that I was mad that they couldn't get it. It's that they didn't care to. That was the thing that drove me crazy. It was like, I don't, you know, I don't care if you know how the computer works, but you need to know how to make it work to do what you need to do for a living. <laughs> it's like if you're a construction worker and you don't know how to run the circular saw, like, get the fuck out of here. Go take a well, lesson. <laughs> well, the, my argument perhaps was they knew how to run the circular saw. They didn't know how to fix the circular saw. Yeah, I guess it, if, it, and I had, well, I always had less of a problem with break fix than how do I. Right. Then how, I don't have right. patience for how do I <laughs> like, I, man, there's the internet. Like just yeah. type that in there. How do I, yeah. whatever the hell it is that you need. <laughs> this is going to dovetail nicely into this, into this, uh, into this subject. But, uh, did you have more, did you have more that you wanted to lay out before we, before I don't we really think there's any more to lay out. I just kind of wanted to say like, to get some examples of what I'm talking about are things like, you know, coming into money is, you know, like we talked, like I set it up, money buys you privilege. And what I would like is if competence could also be currency. I would argue that competence is the very basis of this of currency to begin with. I think that I think it's valued a lot more than you think. Although, what when we're talking about goods and services, like I value some like a really tasty apple pie. Sure. (laughs) If you were to say, "Hey, Chris, there's this really great homemade apple pie that this this person made, and here's some McDonald's." 99 cent apple pie I would probably go with the more competent pie maker mm-hmm. but unfortunately for the pie maker the sk- the homemade pie maker the, it's hard for them to to get rich selling artisan apple pie right and now you're getting at the heart of what I'm really trying to get at which is create more opportunities for people so like you said I might get it quickly others may not but that doesn't that shouldn't preclude them from being able to be successful I'd like to open up more avenues in life um, for the for the for you to be like the one that comes to mind most frequently for me is is any sort of frequent flyer privilege um, like that you you go through the the uh, the pre-check line and it's like you know, it should be a three strike system, right? If you try to walk through the metal detector with your phone in your hand like a moron, that's strike one. And after three strikes, you can't go through the pre-check line anymore. But rather than have it be punitive, I'd rather it be like positive. Like we've noticed that you're really got your shit together. Come into the good line. <laughs> you know, like there should be a good shit together line. And I think it really, what I really, what it boils down to for me is that I think it's mostly that just standing in line needs to be better experience because it's bad for everybody. And it's primarily bad because People just aren't prepared when their moment comes. Right. And that should be worth something. If you're prepared and, it, and you get through, it should be worth something more than self-gratification and disdain for others. It should get you some sort of a, a privilege. You know, I don't I don't ever create any delays. I always know what I want. Like, I went to Dick's. Uh, this is a drive-in in Seattle for those of you who maybe don't live here and, and uh, listen to the show. Um, and I get up to the line, you know, and then... I get stuck behind the person who doesn't know how to order off the menu, and it, it just gonna, it's going to take three times as long as it would if I got behind any sort of Dick's line veteran. Sure, sure. And so, I, and so I'd like there to be like the 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 competence checkout line, for instance, at all <laughs> in all in all right. scenarios. New people over here, mm-hmm. like like this is like me at the James Jonathan or Jimmy John's. Yeah, you know, I like to call it the James <laughs> the Jonathan. James Jonathan. The James Jonathan because it's high class when I go. Mm-hmm. But I walk up, I say. 10, 10 wheat sub avo and then I pay and then literally less than 60 seconds later I'm walking with my sandwich yeah that's the point of that place that is <laughs> but but you have to you you're I do I get it you have to understand the the you have to get into it but you also have to give people you know an opportunity to learn sure right? but also like and I want it applied like across the board here so any form of 
blocking a public right of way is like that's punitive like so you're, you're like on a, some sort of a sliding scale if you're on your phone like in a moving crowd and people are like trying to have to walk around you you're losing you're actively losing points so i know you've seen like the black mirror where they everybody rates each other for everything all the time <laughs> uh, but like that only there's some sort of a i don't know there's a sensor system amazon's got uh-huh. these you know the cameras the identity cameras we, we're not that far away right um and then today i was going to the grocery store and an older man was walking into the double door and there's a small foyer and there's not room to get around it. If you're in the middle, if you're standing in the middle of the door, I cannot walk around you, especially if you're holding a basket. And he's like trying to arrange his like produce, like frozen produce bag thing that he's going to put all his shit in, in the basket as he's walking through the door. But he's doing it very, very slowly in a way that I'm just basically standing there waiting for him to stop. And he sees me and then realizes that he needs to kind of get out of the way. But then he continues to like fuck with the bag to try to get it right. I'm like, no, man, stop that. Walk in here. And then step aside and do that. That's what I'm talking about. I need more of that in my life. And I want that to be worth money to people so that we'll fucking do it. You know, I mean, when. So if we go back to sort of Victorian society where manners and politeness was the currency, right? I think that, that I think maybe that's the extreme case where, where even though you hated each other, you had to be. You had to be gentlemanly, or you had to be ladylike in terms of your behavior in order to maneuver in, quote-unquote, proper society. I mean, we did away with that for a reason, right? Yeah, and I think that I'm asking for the complete opposite side of that same coin, which is, you can say whatever the fuck you want to me, just get the fuck out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, but there's a courtesy aspect. There's a politeness and courtesy aspect that that should be, quote-unquote, more common. Right, and it all boils down to, it's not what I would do, so therefore it's not acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's the funny part about it is we we engender this sort of do-it-yourself attitude, like, Mm -hmm. I've I've got my shit, you know, I got shit to take care of, and, um, you know... I'm going to do it regardless. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to, I don't care who's going to stand in my way. This is the, this is the rugged individualism slash entrepreneurial slash my own bootstraps. That's, and it's mostly an American myth about how I can do all mm-hmm. this shit on my own. Yeah. But that, that particular attitude, I think you see as that, like, Hey, let me just cut in front of you because I want this thing and let me grab it off the shelf. And I'm like, dude, I am standing here. <laughs> you know, how about an excuse me? Or how about if I let you, when I let you in in front of me in traffic, you just give me a wave. I don't really need a lot. Yeah, my re- theory has always been like that, that America is a free country in the sense that your freedom extends right up until it infringes upon somebody else's. And but that's, that's the. But that's see, what I'm talking about. No, if you, but if you're the line cutter, if you're like the opportunist who's breaking the norms but not the law. Yeah, that makes you an asshole. That's just that's right. that's how society should be ordered. But that but the funny thing about it is that's the that's the that's the tough thing about quote unquote living in a free society. They're not breaking any laws. No, I mean there's no laws are no laws are broken. But but what happens is it's that little chain reaction. Mm-hmm. That person's a prick, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden another person says, "Why do I have to be nice if that guy's going to be a prick?" Sure. And then exponentially you end up with you right. know, and they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on until you get to this whole I'm a nation of you know basically assholes mm-hmm. and I don't and know yeah. I think I think trying to put the I'm trying to put trying to apply the brakes to it is 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 one of those things where you just start with yourself right like I don't really yeah. I'm not going to get I'm not going to get suckered into this dude. I'm not going to get suckered into being an asshole just because other people around me are being assholes. And that's the that's the hard part. And that's what probably feels unfair. And that's what probably um makes you bristle because it's it's the high road is the high road is is difficult. Mm-hmm. But once you get on the high road, right, you can go twice as fast. <laughs> so it's kind of a it, but you have to get up there, right? Yeah. That's the and that's the I think the, I think it's easy for me to see why you struggle with it because I think I struggle with it to a certain extent as well. I guess the positive thing about the time we're living in is that because the asshole behavior is so blatant and emboldened right now, I also feel emboldened to point it out in a loud and obnoxious fashion. Like, I sort of stay at the ready now. Like, I don't know if I'm in a public place, I'm pretty much ready to pull out my phone, start recording, and tell you to stop fucking doing whatever rude shit you're doing. <laughs> and I'm just like, going to shame you on the internet. <laughs> I'm a little plus and minus on that. I mean, I'm not afraid to use the horn. 
which is a which is funny. I, I do mean it in serious, more serious situations, like oh, the, much sure. more of the uh, the stuff that's happened uh, from a emboldened hate kind of perspective on the political spectrum. Right, but I saw somebody on social media post a picture of a car with the license plate complaining about how they cut them off, mm. and I was like, "What are you doing?" Well, that's you what next door is for. Don't put that on yeah. the regular internet. <laughs> put that on next door. <laughs> right. So your and neighbors be like, it's this, it's, who, yeah, which prick guy. is this? Well, Let us know who this is. <laughs> still, yeah, I don't think you should put Let's up there. Let's go TP there. his house. I still don't think you put up their car and their license plate and essentially dox them on next door for being <laughs> bad neighbors. I mean, that's just not... I don't. What think, if they speed through my cool. neighborhood where there's children? I, you know what? I... Yeah, that's a <laughs> job for the police, probably. But They're not going to take care of it. I, okay, so I now we're way over time on this, but now that you've talked about that's my okay. other fantasy is that I want to be deputized specifically for traffic violations. <laughs> like, I only want to deal, I just want to be a traffic, I just want to stop people and be like, I'm sorry. Uh, and I want to, like, educate them. I don't even want to have to give tickets. I just, I want to have be authorized to stop them so they have to stop and comply. And then, you know, <laughs> probably get myself shot. I hear probably <laughs> like uh, almost one hundred percent. You know, we'll we'll wrap we'll wrap around this um, uh, another time because we're again we're over our segment. But you know that China has this social credit system now where they're basically got cameras everywhere and they yeah. are rewarding people for quote unquote good behavior and punishing people for quote, <laughs> bad behavior. So while while your while your idea has some merit. It's a little, <laughs> it's a well, little scary. We never did get to like my end game, which was, um, I was trying to think of how you would actually make this work. And what I think you could do is like a driver's license, but basically a cognitive test for behavior. And you just get rated every year. And that's like your rating for the year. So <laughs> You're a sociopath. Yeah. You get rated low. <laughs> and, yeah. And we don't, and your credit score goes down. But it's just basically, yeah, you run a simulator where it's like <laughs> you have to do stuff. You're you're walking down a busy sidewalk and your your phone rings in the simulator. What do you do? And you have to make sure you step out of like traffic with people walking so you're not. A <laughs> <laughs> I always tend to just quote, you know, the the uh, core values of the first T at people. You know, courtesy is a core value of the first T of America. That's what I tell them. And then I move. <laughs> then I move on about my day. <laughs> All right. Well, someday. Someday Maybe I can move to China. <laughs> <laughs> game that up, man. I'm going to move to China. If I was, if I lived in China and they put me on that game, I'd, I'd be the high score. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Game of five behavior. I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a, I'm kind of a rule follower. What, what can I say? Only the rules make sense. Well, I mean, I have a hard if, time with, uh, if the illogical. rules are, if the rules are be nice to other people. Yeah. It's pretty easy. Don't be an asshole. I mean, yeah. that's pretty easy for me. Unless other people are being assholes first. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, I tend to walk away before you're gonna. You're gonna have to be a pretty big asshole for me to like inject myself into your situation. Most of the time, I'm just cool to, you know, select zone five and extend and escape. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of escaping, we talked last week about uh, a bit about our crushes in media, our longstanding uh, movie star crushes, and. I, I, we touched a little bit on, uh, or for at least I did, like what, what qualities specifically stood out for me. You know, I talked about women of action, right, for instance. Um, so I was thinking t more about how media and TV influences who we become. So for segment two, I want to talk to you about what does TV done to you? What is the, what, When you think about things that you do now because of media you've consumed, um, what comes to mind for you? Uh, sort of my attitude about it is, you are what you eat, basically, in a way more profound way than I think most people realize. In terms of your mental, what, what you've put in, what media has put into your brain is what yeah. you've sort of become. Yeah, I think it can, I think it influences your personality and your decision making way, way more than anyone would probably cognitively be aware of. Um, well, I just, I've recognized it in myself in certain things that surprise me. Uh, especially over time, long things over time, especially now, like the recent changes in media and um, the, the the more representative nature that media has become and opened up. You know, I've always thought of myself as an open-minded person. And I've been admitted on the show in past of holding bad opinions and growing out of those bad opinions. Sure. Um, when I became more exposed to, the, you know, that's the human nature, right? Is that you need to kind of see it before you believe it, unfortunately. Um, and I think media has a lot to do with that. So I've noticed it in myself. Um, so I'm just curious if anything comes to mind for you. I can certainly kick it off if, if, if you don't have anything at the ready. Well, I think that, uh, first of all, 
I grew up in a little town in the middle of Illinois, and we had very little in terms of, I don't know, sophisticated culture. (laughs) Or diversity period. Or diversity period. But... It was a great place to grow up, but it was it was pretty insular, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the the nature of small towns. But the uh, but media was an important part of that because mm-hmm. when MTV became the national radio station, now coolness wasn't sort of just just restricted to the coasts, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we we started to get things on a more timely basis. So you were so it was. It was still hard to if you really wanted to be cool, like cool like people on TV, it was still kind of hard to mm-hmm. get the right clothes or whatever. But at least you you had a feel for it. At least you had right. a feel for what might be possible in terms of in terms of the coolness. Uh for me that uh, you know, it was just it was all about you know, you get when I was growing up, it was like family shows, right? Mm-hmm. Did they have did they even have family shows? I mean, if I said, name me the family, the families of the 80s, you'd like be like, oh, the Cosbys and the Keatons and the, right. and the, you know, and the Growing Pains family. And the, there, there's all these families that you could think, if you close your eyes, you'd think, okay, here are the families that, that I grew up with in my quote unquote TV town. I don't think they have those anymore or very few. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if there are, it's it's definitely means some sort of network mainstream comedies that I'm not aware of, or or I mean, guys, things like Modern Family and and people would probably think of like the crew from the Big Bang Theory as a family right now. Yeah. So, but, it's, but adjacent. It wasn't, it's adjacent, but it's not the same. No. But but it wasn't the same. So I mean, so that so we we imprinted a lot of that on ourselves. I mean, for me as a kid, that that was a that was a bigger part of my of my TV watching was these families and sort of trying to put yourself in the mold of a family but i don't think kids have that at all these days no no kid that lives in this house who would watch a family comedy they're not going to watch you know urkel or whatever what was the name of that show family matters family matters i mean they're not going to watch those they, they just don't those things just don't show up for for uh for, i think they're, for they're just season. there's no mainstream one i think that there's sort of a uh, it's more of a specialized version. Like I think there's a lot of that kind of show still on like Nickelodeon or the Disney Channel for mm. tweens and like young adults, but not a lot of uh, like all family kind of humor um, where you're yeah. getting a, you're pulling in adults too. But I, I I don't know if that is because the the shows are fundamentally different and more truly oriented around children, or if it's just that there's so many more quality options for adults to watch now that family entertainment is more. It's sort of like there's stuff your kids watch, there's stuff that you watch, and then the stuff you guys come together for seems to be more oriented around movies than to the television these days. Right, right. I mean, the 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 the, the thought of appointment televisions well gone. Right, we've talked. Which about is that. yeah, which is which again was part of which was part of my growing up, which is part of the media piece is that that you you end up scheduling it right. Mm-hmm. But when I was growing up, it was like family comedies and then cop dramas. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's well, there's it. always cop dramas. <laughs> that's that's it. And you know, Miami Vice being like my favorite cop show of all time. It's the greatest. It's the greatest thing. It was. It had a huge impact on on me. What I thought was cool. Don Johnson in 1985 was cool. Cool as hell. What I find interesting about it too is that it's it's. I think almost equal parts, both destructive and constructive, maybe actually not equal parts, probably more destructive than constructive because of the biases inherent in the the medium. Um, You know, the thing that struck me when I was thinking about this topic was how my own opinions have changed on even like which women are attractive or in what ways they're attractive. And that's what, that's what brought it up for me when we talked about this last week was just like that. I always thought these were my opinions or I had these preferences or those preferences. And it turns out that when you're just exposed to more, you actually are just open to more ideas. So you have different, you know, your 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 preferences change. Um, and I think that's bad that the TV has so much influence. And I think that I probably was wrong about what I even liked or knew didn't even know what I liked because I was so influenced by the TV at a younger age. Well, I think that's the. It's also you have to give yourself a break because you know the lens of. 10 year old 12 year old me is much different than the than the than the lens of nearly 50 year old me right right and that's and that's what you have to you know people when you're much younger i think when you're much younger you get embarrassed about the things that people pull out 
Remember when you were 20 and someone pulled out a picture of when you were 10 and you were like completely embarrassed by it? Right. And now if someone pulls out a picture of you when you were 10, you're completely fascinated by it. <laughs> you think, oh, look at me. That was, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good. It's, 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 you put a little bit of time in between you and of course your lens is different. Like sure. the lens people watch, it's like the Dukes of Hazard. I loved the Dukes of Hazard when I was a kid, but but the le- the the lens of 1982 versus the lens of 2018, <laughs> you people view that program in a completely different way, either fairly or unfairly, because I don't think it was. I don't think it's made in a way that's that's racist. It's just a show about bumpkins, right? And. And it was okay to have a, a Confederate flag on the top of the car, <laughs> and that that was all well and good in 1982. Just well, in 2018, yeah, I think the argument is that it probably should have never been okay. No, <laughs> like you guys, you'd have the show without the Confederate flag. Well, like, whether on it the was okay, and, well, whether it was okay or not okay in 1982, no one cared, or the people who did care didn't have a voice. There you go. But but as a but what you have to do is you have to say you have to evolve, right? You right. and we and we understand that that the things that I might have been influenced to do as an 18-year-old or a 16-year-old by the media, like, oh, this cool guy in a movie talked like this, said like this, you know, pick mm-hmm. that up. I would probably more be more apt to pick it up than I would be today. Even Absolutely, I'm- absolutely. And I guess now we've wrapped it all the way back around to, see, I don't think capitalism is a good way to order your society because it's money. Like it, the decision about what gets put on TV is, is market-driven. And, it, and if rather it was somehow competence driven, <laughs> so you get higher I, quality shows. <laughs> I think it, I think I think t, I think media is a, a, a really s- strange case of where it has to be both. Yeah, I think that I think that people can see through something that's a purely commercial venture, and then I think that people aren't attracted to something that's compl- a, a totally artistic event, uh, you know, endeavor if it doesn't have. A particular commercial quality to it, at least for, the, for me. Yeah. I mean, I you know I'm a, I, I'm a I'm a sucker for production value. So you could tell a good story, but if it's done poorly, or if it's you know if it's not of a certain sort of visual quality or audio mm-hmm. quality for me, I, it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna love it. Sure. Uh, as a family, we watched uh, A Wrinkle in Time re- recently, and it was like it was over, and I was like it was fine. I was like, I bet this was probably a good book, but that was like not very fun to watch. Like nothing <laughs> really happened. Like if I break down sort of the beats, like it, it, it's there's like five beats and a lot of talking in between them, and nothing really ever happens. They <laughs> achieve their goal and everything <laughs> moves on. Um, the Oprah people are coming for you now. So okay. I'm <laughs> oh, I did like Oprah's like diamond eyebrows. The costuming was really cool. Production value very high. Yeah, it, and that's the thing is it did hold my attention to at least watch it to the end. But at the end, yeah. I was like, that was like, I don't know, a bag of Doritos. Right. I sort of it feel just like wasn't, it was a waste it, of my time, and it's it going to feel gross. It was all production, and there wasn't quite enough artistic quality to it. It wasn't a good enough. They didn't tell you a, a, a compelling enough story to keep you moving through. Yeah, but the other thing that I think is negative about this is it creates this this vitriol when your nostalgia gets trampled right people on the internet just fucking lose their minds if somebody wants to recreate a property that they feel like personally connected to i mean we see this all the time constantly now i'm good to take it or leave it i mean obviously we did a we did a drive-by hit on solo a star wars story but the i liked it more than in terms of mining nostalgia but i mean they put out that point break movie a couple of years ago yeah the remake of point break i no, I no interest it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not interested. There's it, no need to remake a movie. There's like no that. need to make, and they do that all the time, right? They made yeah. they they remade RoboCop. I was like, I don't have any interest in watching new RoboCop. I mean, wasn't it Carl Urban though, or was that no, just the judge? That, was that Judge Dredd? Oh, dude, Dredd. Yeah, Dredd is a great movie. I'm See, sorry. and it's just it's hit and miss, right? Who has the reins? Whether who's in the movie? Yeah, it, it doesn't sense. It, it doesn't always work out, but I think this, if you're talking about the straight straight up remake where yeah. they say we're going to do point break again mm-hmm. but it's not a sequel we're just going to remake it i said like, can you just call it something else can't, can't but they want to use the point break they just want to they just want to mine the nostalgia of point break and give you basically the same movie i think that's i generally think that's lame it very rarely works out for me i'm trying yeah. to think of a time when it did but it just it doesn't work for me because that's how it goes like the Lethal Weapon TV show. 
The most positive thing I could think of coming out of TV influence for me was that uh, since I watched Baby Driver, whatever, six, eight months ago, my kids get higher quality peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> That's a great movie, by the way. It's very entertaining. I don't know if it's a great movie, but it's very I think entertaining. It's a, I think it's a great movie. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about with the PBJs, uh, there is a character in the movie who likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and specifically calls for the peanut butter and jelly to be spread to the edges. So remember that when you're making your children. I'm not always a big believer in that. I like to spread it mostly to the edge, and then I like to smash it. Yeah, I don't... I I like to smash it for that last eighth inch. I like to stay in control. I'm also, like, I just also... (laughs) I also, uh, I'm very precise with the, like, one side of peanut butter and then just, like, a sheen of peanut butter on the other piece of bread so that when I pack it in my daughter's lunch, the jelly doesn't soak into that piece of bread. It stays nice and... Not enough to seal it totally, but enough that, you know, it doesn't really seep all the way in. Because that's, that's no good. You're still right. going to have standalone wait a minute, jelly. Wait a minute. You can send your, your, your kids to school with peanut butter and jelly. Don't they, don't they get sent to, like, peanut product gulag to, like, eat their lunch? Not the regular elementary school. Really? They don't have yeah. to go to, like, some special place? I guess the peanut <laughs> kids are in the gulag. <laughs> wow. They're in the special no peanut wing. Wow. Uh, how lucky for, lucky for them. Good for you. All right. All right, for our last segment tonight, before we get to the OT and keep talking, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Seahawks. Well, still, still technically Seahawks, uh, free safety, and someday Hall of Famer Earl Thomas. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce here, Chris, because I, I, you put it on the on the talk sheet. I definitely have plenty to say about it, but I'll, I'll let you kick us off. R.I.P. to the L.O.B. First of all, since Earl was no the doubt. last, Earl was the last of the, the last of the originals. But the um, that's the last of a dying breed. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, pardon me. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to. You know, apologize. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> the uh, you know, there's this constant push and pull with the NFL about labor and money, and there's holding out and all this other stuff. But then there's also this this thing where teams will give you that we're family and you hear it every week right on these things like every week somebody gets interviewed about how you know this team succeeds because we're a family we're sure. a, we're you know we're close and then and then of course really it isn't i think from a player standpoint i think when you're in between no the winning lines, makes you a family <laughs> yes winning makes you a family but in but i think inside the lines there's a there's a there's there's the thought that maybe you know, when everyone does their job correctly and it's orchestrated well and you've rehearsed and you've practiced that it feels like, you know, at the at, at a pro level, it might feel like family, but... Oh, I don't even think it's just not. the pro level. I, I would say that as, as a former amateur athlete in sure. <laughs> during my school days, that on the most successful teams that I was on, I can think of some of the best memories of my life hanging with those guys, right? But I can also, without hesitation, name two or three pricks that I still sort of dislike in my memory from those days that were in every one of those memories. And the reason that we weren't, like, fighting or getting, you know, like, arguing is because the team was successful. And I think if the team is not successful, because I can think of those same teams having not won something after coming off a very successful season, all of a sudden, people weren't tight, quite as tight. Yeah, well, what I was what I was getting at, and, and probably inarticulately was that I think at the lower levels, like the high school, the college level, it feels more like family. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's, I don't know if that's the myth. I think when you start getting paid millions of dollars and billions of dollars are flowing through an organization like the NFL, I think the it's, it becomes business. And this whole piece where, you know, you need to take care of me because we're family. It just doesn't exist. I think that, I think that Earl Thomas was, was was saying that hey I'm worth this much because I've brought you this much where really the model is I'm going to pay you for what you can give me or might give me which is 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 probably more the accurate model he's older he's been hurt he's asking to be paid at the very top of his position scale and I don't think the and the and the mayor and the mayor and the Seahawks said no because mm-hmm. it's not really good business. It doesn't make for good business. We appreciate what you've done, and and this city loves you. But when it comes right down to it, we have a business to run, and we can't sink all this money into you, knowing that over the next three years you're not going to play. You're not going to. If you played thirty games in the next three years, it would be a miracle. Well, 
that particular situation is just sort of hilarious because you can never come to an agreement because the two sides fundamental like like the, the lack of connection is complete opposites like Earl's point of view is you need to pay me I might get hurt and the Seahawks point of view is we're not going to pay you you might get hurt right <laughs> so there's no way you're going to reconcile that well I mean but it's it's the di- the difference is um let's say you let's say you're Todd Gurley mm-hmm. and you got hurt in college and now you're this 21 year old sure you had a, your knee was wrecked but we pretty much we're going to pay you a lot of money because we think that at this time of your career you'll be okay mm-hmm. now if you're a 30 year old who's been hurt <laughs> and you say give me a bunch of money because I'm still the best player at my position the thing is well, I don't know how much we're going to get out of this 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 money because because now any injuries to you are going to put you out of a career and we're going to owe you all this money. And that's the and that's that's the part where where you're getting old and in sports, you know, you know, the old people in my family we take care of, you know, grandpa and grandma. <laughs> The old people on your sports team get kicked out because mm-hmm. they provide you no value in terms of the things that make you money, which is winning. So I think your general premise is accurate. Um, I do think, you know, you say that maybe it's not as family oriented when you get to the pros because, well, I think it's obvious to say it's not family if you're getting paid. That's first. That's number one. Um, but you got to turn around and then think about the fact that corporations try to sell this to their employees all the time right that this isn't just a it's just just a workplace it's a it's a family it's your work family they try to get you bought into this idea that you need to have that same level of commitment that you would for your family for your workplace in order to you know contribute at the high level they require of you and they also are not going to make sure you land on your feet if all of a sudden earnings miss and we've got to cut 20 percent of the workforce absolutely and that's and that's and that that is so from a labor standpoint like you i mean as an employee if your company is telling you hey we need you to be successful uh i know we're only going to pay you half what you're worth but we want you to work twice as much as you want (laughs) as you should your answer to that question should be no Uh (laughs) and i know as young as a young employee i was happy to put in extra hours and sure. do whatever because i had nothing else to do to be honest and you feel like you. you're getting ahead you feel like yeah, you're doing something you feel and again i'm at the beginning of my career i like the people i, I really like the people that i worked with and it was fun to be around the job and and doing those things but as you get older you very quickly realize yeah when it comes right down to it they're not your family they're not i mean they even if you do a good job quite frankly you don't owe them any more than than what they're paying you and and you shouldn't give them much more than what they pay you without getting something in return and well, our culture doesn't really support you sub- like like expressing that concern either or that 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 having that position like it's sort it's of hard. looked down upon like you must be lazy or you must be less than because you're not going to work for free and i'm like well, i'm not working for free you know, I tweet things like this on a regular basis, like I, a few months ago. Like if, you're, if you are getting online during your paid time off and it's for any reason other than a genuine work emergency, you're playing yourself. Right. Absolutely. If you're on vacation, I don't want to... I You know, I tell this pe- to people who work for me and all that kind of thing. It's like, don't, I don't want to see you. Yeah. Do not, do not chime in. Do not check in on your vacation time. Yeah. I, it... And plus, you're not that important. Let's be clear. Like, I've under no. I don't care who you are in the in the company, and I don't. You're just you're just really not that important. People can get by on a week without yeah. you. You're not. I always, I've always, I've never subscribed to those crazy workaholic theories. I'm like, like, be happy. Do what you need to do. As long as the work we need you to get done is getting done, then I have no <laughs> no issues with like right. how you want to be happy. professional. Obviously, and communicate when you're going to be around. Right, and I'm happy, and I'm happy. To live in a world where some people are driven above and beyond in that regard, I'm just I just don't I just don't subscribe to it for myself, and I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid if the work warrants it I'm not afraid to to stay or do no, what it needs to get never. done. I mean, sometimes you I've, have to do stuff like that, and it's I never just... complain about I never complain about it, but but I also understand that there are some requests that you just have to say no to, yeah. and it, and 
and it gets easier once you have your own family. I think it's hard to say when you're a 27-year-old single guy. Right. When they say, hey, could you just do this? And be like, no, I'm going to – what are you going to do? I'm going to go out and drink. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? That's, laughs> well, I was going to go get wasted and try to get laid. You're really <laughs> fucking up my plans. <laughs> it's, and so the people at work go, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, then, but then you're sitting there and you're watching all the family people leave right on the dot. Like, yeah. I got to go. I got to pick up my kids. I got to make dinner. I got to do things. And when I was young, I'd be like – they go, those fuckers leaving early, yeah. you know, when, when they were really leaving on time. But they had shit to do, and I didn't understand that when I was 24 years old. Right. And so, and now that now that I'm not 24 years old, it's pretty funny to, you know, just, when I, when I, when it's time for me to leave work, man, I just, I shut it down and I go. Yeah. And exactly. I have no, I don't, I don't think twice about it. No, and if you want me to be here beyond the scheduled hours, then let's try to plan that ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, emergencies are fine, but every yeah. day can't be an emergency. No. And that if there is an emergency every day, then something's wrong with our process. <laughs> right. I just, before we run totally out of time on this, I just want to weigh in on the fact that, like, the whole he should be grateful is just the absolute worst take. Like, there was a guy no. in the Seattle Times, his name's Matt Hawkins, who wrote, like, a take that was like, has Earl Thomas considered that maybe he is the one showing disrespect? I wish I was disrespected the way Earl Thomas is. If I'm a truck driver working 60 hours a week just to feed and shelter my family, I'm not sure I'm wearing Thomas's jersey anymore. And it's like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Right, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'll, I work a real job and don't get paid shit, so fuck Earl Thomas. That, what, yeah. I mean, I understand that there are people that think that way, but that's just because you're not really thinking about it, what you're saying. Yeah. All jobs are obviously negotiated in the context of their own specific market. Right. And here's the thing. You're worth what you can get paid. Right. And quite frankly, the market will tell you. And the market told and the market told Earl Thomas. Well, we, we told Earl Thomas because we had his contract. But if Earl Thomas were to, were to have to be healthy and got out on the market, God bless him for getting every fucking penny he could get. I mean, that's I, I don't begrudge anyone getting paid as much as they can get paid. If you can negotiate it and they'll pay it, that's what you're worth. Period. Well, to tie this back to our takes on media before we move on to the OT, I just wanted to say, like, I, I can't stand the hot take industry. Um, like, it's, to me, like, in, you're what you're doing by doing that is emboldening reactionary thinking. Like, you, you're wanting somebody to read what you wrote and be like, yeah, you're right. Because you didn't <laughs> want to think about it too hard. Because you're presenting sure. this poorly reasoned argument that just doesn't examine the problem too deeply. Yeah. And, like, to me, it's like eating tons of sugar. Like, yes. My dopamine receptors are on fire. And then later it's like, oh no, weight gain and diabetes. <laughs> it's like slow onset. So I didn't think about it while well, I just shoveled all the sugar into my mouth. I called into sports radio yesterday. What? On, what? On, on my what? drive home. On Why? my drive home. Because they were talking about, okay, this is funny. I was ta- what was I listening to? I was listening to Rob Parker and, and Chris Broussard's show okay. on, on Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were talking about Patrick Mahomes and and how people were saying, you know, he's he's going to be better than whatever. He's going to be the great. He's going to be one of the top. You know, people are saying. I'm, al- saying I'm already referring to him as the greatest quarterback of all time, Patrick <laughs> right. Mahomes. <laughs> right. So they were talking about this, and and Rob Parker. If anybody knows Rob Parker, he just gets sort of he gets sort of befuddled by these things. Like, well, I don't know why people are talking about this and. You know, I, how can they say that? That's just stupid to take. And I so I I called in, just kind of on a lark. Uh-huh. And I was the second caller on that segment. Chris from Seattle. Yeah, yes. all right. I should have said like Villa from Seattle. That way, yeah. people, no one's listening to it anyway. Anyway, so I I I, I chimed in. I said, "Here's the deal on the hot take industry." Because I was, it's essentially self-serving. Because yeah. if if you if if Three games into it, you say Patrick Mahomes is going to be the greatest quarterback who ever lived, and ten years later he happens to be the greatest quarterback who ever lived. You get to say, "I was right." I look, at, it. look, look! I called it. And if he's not, then you can easily walk it back. Well, he got hurt his third year, and he lost his Travis Kelsey quit, or right. they, his they offensive lost the weapons, or the coach. They, yeah, Andy Reid retired. Right. So yeah. either way, you're right in the hot take industry. If but only if you choose the 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 super positive, because you can always you can always fold the negative back in, right? Yeah, it's easy to walk it back. It's very difficult to walk it forward. 
You can't walk it forward. I thought he was going to suck, but it turns out he was the greatest. But I thought maybe he'd be the greatest. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> you lie. But if you, it, but if you take the super positive, the super crazy positive hot take, walking it back is easy. Yeah, I mean, if you do, if you start negative, at the risk of you know continuing down this tangent, but <laughs> if you start negative, you're Skip Bayless, which is why he's still shitting on LeBron nearly twenty years later. Right. Because like, he has and everybody's to. like, yeah, and everybody's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Clearly, LeBron is one of the best two basketball players to ever play. Right. He's going to be the statistical leader in almost every basketball category made. And you're anyway. still out here telling us he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Paint yourself into a negative corner. You got to go positive. You got to go big and positive early. There you go. I like it. And what did they say? Did you hang up and listen? No, they were. They totally said that was a great call. Man, listen, I'm not gonna. They really liked not, me. Literally, I'm not gonna. Sh- I'm not. They gave me the little bell at the end of my segment. You know, nice. it's funny because if you call into sports radio, you talk and then they hang up on you, and right. then the phone, my phone kicks off and my radio kicks back on, and right. I get to hear about thirty seconds of myself on the radio. Mm-hmm. And so they gave me a little ding at the end. Good call, great call, Chris. Good job. You made a Thanks point. Yeah, you're nice and tight. Would you do like a tight ten? Oh yeah, yeah. I was. I wasn't gonna ramble on like I wasn't gonna tell a big sordid story about myself. It's like God. I hate those sports callers, man. I got in there. I made my point. It was. It was on. It was. It supported their segment, and they appreciated it. Well, I'm happy to have provided you the reps here on the two on three pod to get that done. <laughs> I think maybe podcasting has made me a better sports radio caller since I call sports radio once a year twice a year i was just stuck in traffic man i thought why don't i just call it was easy well i think the mahomes thing god i want to get off of this but i wanted to say something about it before we moved on it's a lot like the steph curry season from three years ago where it's like well this dude's just doing shit we've never seen yeah so that fun. you're just gonna get talked about in some form one way or another about being the greatest if you're out here doing stuff that just nobody's ever seen exactly and then it becomes the epitome of hyperbole <laughs> that yes <laughs> all right moving on to the ot we're going to revisit the trailer park so chris you want to start with dark phoenix i love trailer park i've been thinking trailer park all week long yes the dark phoenix well one thing about it before you get started i just want to say it's really good to see um boy george getting work <laughs> oh man are you really are you really doing I can't the Sophie see, Turner? I can't. So I actually really like her. I think her acting is great. I think she looks great. I think everything about Dark Phoenix actually looks really cool. I can't nose. get past it. She looks just like Boy George. That kind of makes me like her more. You know, I had to make sure that he hadn't died before I uh, made that joke. I looked that up <laughs> earlier. I was like, you know, I think I'm going to say that to make sure that he's not dead. All right. So here's the thing about... So Dark Phoenix is one of the greatest comic book stories in the history of comic books ever. It's very famous. And it comes at the... At the at the height of the greatest X Men run ever written by Chris Claremont and drawn by John Byrne, which is basically the the absolute plateau for me of comic book making in the history, like in terms of a long run of comics. Mm-hmm. And the the always the problem with this kind of take, and it's, and it happens to me with um, Days of Future Past, is that. Dark Phoenix is this slow burn that goes for a long time. And back... All right, gather around the fire, kids. (laughs) But when you read comic... When I read comic books as a kid, I got 30 pages a month Mm -hmm. of comic books, and then I had to go the next month (laughs) to get the next issue Mm -hmm. that I essentially read on the walk home. Mm Mm-hmm. And then and you then, like read it again once you got and, home. And then I read it again once I got home. And, and then, then I read it three days panel. later. Yeah. And then I then I picked apart every panel mm-hmm. and I read that thing till it was essentially confetti. And then I walked to the comic book store the next month and picked up the next issue. I have some really really hardcore nostalgia going for this right now while you're talking <laughs> about it. Like I really miss this. It's yes. And so so Dark Phoenix. I mean, when you when that whole story comes out, it is basically the the rise of Wolverine. It's what th- that run gave us Wolverine as we know him today. But it happens over the course of three years. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I see the, when I see this and it's heartbreaking and it's, and it's, and it's, you know, there's a, there's an alien race and, you know, Charles Xavier's dating this alien queen and there's this whole deal. And it's, 
and it's amazing. And and then you then I see the the trailer, and I'm like, okay, girl gone out of control, whatever. But it's not going to have the impact. It's not going to have the Scott and Jean were together since they were teenagers, and now she's out of control, and he can't do anything to help her. And it really is heartbreaking. I bought the collected edition for my daughter a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe 12, 12 or 15 issues um, collected in trade paperback. Mm-hmm. Of course, I read it before I gave it to her. But it is... It's amazing, and I just yeah, it's like a two hundred page book, I think. And I just and I see and I see this, and 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 as and as excited as I am, probably to watch this. Yeah, it looks um, great. It's gonna come. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna come up hollow, to, to what I know this story to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that I think that happens with a lot of. I think that happens with a lot of books. It just. It's just the limitations of the medium, right? Yeah, I think the only counter we have to this in this situation is that we now at least have a working shorthand for these characters in movie form. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about how you can be successful using that shorthand with the audience. Um, I agree with you that I think that the you're never going to get the Scott and Gene dynamics because they never really allowed them to be a real couple in those movies because mm-hmm. Wolverine was in the first one. So right. you had the love triangle from the get-go. And I obviously understand why you make that choice when they made that choice, unless you were planning to do this, you know, 20 years ago when they first released that movie. Sure. Um, I think it's great that, you know, people like us who've read these books, um, you know, can appreciate the story and I get what you, you, never, you can't recreate it, but that's almost always the truth. If you've read any sort of a book and then a movie comes out about it, it's very rare that that improves upon your experience. It can only be a letdown generally. Um, I am excited though, that there just are more female driven hero movies. Obviously, um, I, it's something that I want to be able to connect with my children on. And given that they're two little girls, it's easier if they don't have to try, you know, if there's an avatar for them in these movies. Sure. Um, well, so X-Men's, X-Men's always had a really strong take on women. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, I mean, even even since when I was a kid. I mean, Storm led the team. You know, Phoenix was a big part of it. The Hellfire Club is run by the White Queen. <laughs> I mean, there's mm-hmm. these... I mean, there's a whole there's there's strong women throughout all of X Men, which which doesn't surprise me that that you know they would highlight that. I think Marvel Comics taught me a lot about morality, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the comic books are good for that. I mean, again, those those uh, hero stories are are a vehicle for that. Well, and then obviously X Men is an analog for civil rights. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it always has been, and so that's a. I mean, it's I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I think I was thinking about Boy George, you bastard. <laughs> the, I'm sure he'll be great. He looks really good I'm in the sure, movie. It's uh, yeah. There'll be some. Uh, there'll be a karma chameleon coming from, uh, coming for her. <laughs> God dang it! That's gonna mess me up. Now, watch, how am the, I supposed watch the trailer now. Well, and pretend because especially when she's in the dark phoenix makeup, go pretend <laughs> that it's that it's culture club also, era Boy George. All she's wearing a giant top hat and a and a smock. Yeah, and, and dancing around, just like that. Damn it! How am I going to watch Game of Thrones next season? Now that you've made this Boy George joke at me, yeah, you know, <laughs> enjoy yourself. <laughs> Damn it! Well, All on right. lighter fare, the yes. other trailer I want to talk about for Trailer Park as we sort of wrap the show up here. I know we're starting to run long. Um, was the Into the Spider Verse, and I think that yeah. just came out. What was it today or yesterday? The full trailer? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, a couple days ago. I'm uh, I'm super excited to feed again superhero crack to my young children who can't quite get it yet. Um, like we watched a little bit of Homecoming. It's a little bit too violent for like the youngest of the children. Yeah. Um, so the violence is just a little too real, you know. Yeah. But they definitely like like the fact that Peter is clearly in school. Like they 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 start of they have started to connect to it. So this to me is the one where I can be like, let's all watch this together and really get them on. And plus they seem to identify for whatever reason. With just Spider-Man, the character, like they both seem to like him. Yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's built well that way. I mean, Peter Parker's always been a kid. Yeah, he's always he he works best when he's high school Peter Parker. Yes, you know, um, the animation is really good. It's it looks really, really cool, diff- right? It's different. It's yeah. different, and 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 that's a good thing. I think that uh, I think the the <laughs> the spider the Spider Verse. You know the Spider Verse thing happened. I think a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I only followed it tangentially as sort of things. Yeah, I didn't up. read like the source material. 
but essentially, essentially, it boils down to there was this sort of interdimensional bad guy killing all the Spider-Men from mm-hmm. all the other all the other uh, planes of existence and absorbing their powers. So by the time they get to Peter and and uh, it becomes a big thing. But uh, yeah, I like that they've gone with the the other um, the uh, what's his name Morales. What's his first name? Oh, I don't remember the kid's name from the. The trailer. Yeah, gosh, gosh darn it! I should have I should have looked at it. But uh, um, he's he's a you know, he's a great alternate Spider-Man. I mean, again, you know they're always looking for reasons Miles. to make spi- Miles Miles Morales the yes. uh, the uh, to make him younger to give him that to give him that uh, to give him that that little you know again that that touch point with kids, and then to bring Peter in as an older Peter. Uh, should be fun. Yeah, I mean, and it's Jake Johnson too. If you know, you're familiar with Jake yeah, Johnson, yeah. Uh-huh. so th- I can already you know he didn't have any lines in the trailer, but it's going to be real like sardonic, sure, and annoyed, which I'm going to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's good. I think that uh, that um, the Marvel animated stuff hasn't. I think the DC animated stuff has been better than the Marvel animated stuff, and the Marvel movies have been much better than the DC movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe this draws them a little. Draws them a little closer, and, and I like the fact that it's a different a different take. It'll be it'll be uh, it'll be fun, but I think they'll be able to make it tense. I like the way it looks. I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Like I said, I'm really excited to see it with the kids, and the girls are already playing superheroes on the playground. My daughter, uh, older daughter, has a Wonder Woman T-shirt, and she wants to wear it like most days because yeah, I, I, have, I have to be Wonder Woman on the playground. So uh, I'm excited to you know infect my children with my own. Uh, uh, eternal uh, adolescence. <laughs> <laughs> Getting your kids to read comic books is 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 fun to get them to read those stories that you read as a kid and just sort of talk about it with them. And it's like, oh, I can't believe this and this happened. And you know, what's the deal with this person? And getting to fill in the blanks for them, it's actually really fun if they if it if they take to it. Yeah, I'm actually I kind of like as as we talked about nostalgia being trampled on in the past, or but uh, I kind of looking forward to this hopefully somewhat new era once we kind of get through the i don't know all the stories being the base stories being told that maybe we'll start to get some more exciting stuff that that maybe you know gets away from needing to be um can uh, canonical and and interconnected like maybe right. some more standalone fare that this superhero adjacent i think that, uh, that's that'll be fun stuff yeah that'll be the that'll be the trick for all the superhero people is be how can you spin it apart and then spin it back together in meaningful ways um that's the tricky. That's definitely the tricky part. I'm really um, bummed that they already wasted Lex Luthor in the Superman movies because I really like have an appetite for a strong Luthor movie where he like becomes the president and all that. Like I, I want that movie. Yeah, and that's we're gonna have to wait a while for that. They're gonna have to get thri- get through this first iteration of the DC universe before we're gonna yeah, get anything DC's, like that. DC's a, a wreck. It's right a mess. Now. It's it's a huge mess. I don't even want to talk about it. It Makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, maybe we can tear it apart down the road. <laughs> down the road it is then. All right. Well, this was a little bit longer than I expected, but uh, I enjoyed this. I, I thought we had some some really nice uh, variance between our our pop culture and our depth this week. <laughs> <laughs> Usually we just go buck wild one way or the other. Kind of, yeah, right. But I feel yeah, like we'll we did. Out. I think yeah. we did what we do well on the show tonight, which is uh, yeah. to tie all those things together with the large societal themes that we can't get away from these days. I know that's so, isn't isn't that too bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember when life was a lot simpler? Yeah, remember uh, when you had to work on a farm till you were twenty four and then died of polio? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Do you remember you know, I read those an days? interesting story just the other day that said <laughs> that said uh, Elvis. Uh, got the polio vaccine on the Ed Sullivan show in 1956, uh-huh. and the the societal rate went from like less than one percent vaccinated to like over eighty percent vaccinated over the next six months. Because so speaking Elvis of media having some influence in society, well, see, Elvis using his uh, using his um, um, uh, star for good. Yeah. So, so let's let's uh, let's find some other polio to eradicate. <laughs> all right everybody thanks again for listening to our show we always appreciate your time your ears and your clicks downloads and interaction on the internets Um, we'll be back next week with more two on three pod and lots more shenanigans and until then peace peace